Welcome back to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk to staff, pupils and parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode, I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. In this episode, we speak to Lauren DaCosta, an external specialist and an international chess master who also runs the chess club at the school. But first of all, Ralph, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, Simon. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, this conversation and hearing um, Lauren's enthusiasm for, for spreading the joy of chess. Mm. Um, I think it could uh, change some, some preconceptions about mm. what chess is and what learning to play chess is like. How long has the chess club been running at school? So at the time of recording uh, this podcast, uh, it hasn't. Um, it's just about to start. So we, we're recording this at the end of the summer first half term and it will be up and running for our summer two half term. Ralph, in your opinion, why is chess an important ingredient in school life at Snaresbrook Prep? Um, so the reason for introducing it for me is it's, it's traditionally something that parents are interested in they want their children to play chess mm -hmm. um, because it's seen as an academic pursuit mm -hmm. um, I am all about trying to give children as m a, a broader range of experiences as possible so mm -hmm. we don't we haven't had anybody here um, with that interest or that expertise and generally I think you know chess is about thinking about consequences for me it's about planning it's about slowing down and taking a time to consider your options mm. um, and uh, hopefully it's a fun way to learn those lessons uh, mm. And, mm. And, and can just be a fun way to enjoy time or to strike up a relationship with somebody um, you know if you if you've got chess as a as a common interest that could be a new friendship couldn't it so mm. Mm. okay well look, should we hear from Lauren should we bring him in now Sounds like a, a marvellous idea. All right, let's do that. Lauren, thanks for being here and thanks for coming on to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, great. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, basically here we're here Thursday morning. Um, I've actually just done a lesson um, okay. just before this. I know I've been doing an online lesson with one of my other schools. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I guess this is the way it is at the moment, this sort of hybrid where... Um, I've done an online lesson today and then after this I will uh, actually go out in North London and teach at some of my other schools so we're kind of transitioning between uh, teaching chess online and uh, trying to sort of get back into schools and hopefully I'm uh, from September we can all be back fully fingers crossed. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about yourself how did you get into chess in the first place? It's actually a really random story how I did it um, <laughs> I have no chess background in my family um, but uh, I, w I was nine years old, I was in year four, and I uh, was living in Hertfordshire, up in, um, in North Hertfordshire, kind of up near sort of Cambridge. And I was playing in my local town, we were playing a football match, um, a school's like triangular match, just under nine. Mm -hmm. And um, the ball was on the other side of the pitch, and the boy who was playing against me, he was on the right wing, I was a left back, and he said, um, do you like chess? And I said, uh, what's that and he said oh it's a game my mum runs a chess club do you want to come visit and I said okay then you know just that was it and then uh, I realized uh, I went after the game I said to my dad this is something strange to me and uh, it turns out the chess club happened to be opposite where I lived I mean it was sort of 50 meters away oh, really? so I went round and um, obviously I 
got beaten by everybody because I'd never played before. And um, there was just a few parents helping. It wasn't sort of anything official, J- just a few parents supervising. There was, I think there was a couple of dads who, who were quite good, but nothing special really. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, I just got sort of into it. And um, I guess like with anything, you just sort of get the bug, don't you? You sort of mm. realise, oh, I quite like this and I want to improve. And uh, that person I mentioned there, the, the right winger of the other team, uh, we're still friends with today and um, his family, I mean, this is, I don't know how many years later, uh, just under 30 years later, should we say. Mm. Um, we're still friends uh, and all his family, um, yeah, we, we're, we're still very, very close. Uh, we all actually left that town, so that's why I live in London now. But um, yeah, we he still actually reminds me how he said we used to all queue up to try and play you because you were the easy one. And then suddenly <laughs> he said, you came back and uh, you started beating everybody. What happened? And I said, well, what happened was my dad found a couple of chess books in the local charity shop or whatever, or he found a chessboard, and I just started reading them, and I just took in everything that I was learning by myself, completely by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, you really notice the difference with chess. When you start winning from losing before, you can see the improvement, and um, it just gave me a lot of confidence to continue doing so. Mm. Um, no final kind of destination, just enjoying the process. Just I just enjoyed playing at that age. And Simon, Simon, do you think we should at this this stage that I'm just looking at the background? I mean, should we mention <laughs> the number of trophies and shields and there, vases? There, there is a lot. There is an abundance of trophies behind uh, behind Lauren there. Uh, Lauren, just tell us a little bit about some of those trophies that you've got there. Okay, um, the one that's on wait, yeah, the, that side there. That's probably my biggest one. That I won the tournament in Ireland. It's called the Bunratty Masters. Um, I, okay. I won it in. Uh, I was at university, uh, University College London, mm-hmm. uh, 2003, and I was in my first year. I went there on a weekend. Uh, it's a two-day weekend trip in Ireland, and I won that tournament. I think I was seeded, not even in the top 15, mm-hmm. and I came ahead of all the Grand Masters. So I just had an amazing tournament. Wow. Um, so that that paid for my new computer at first year because I won a prize. I think it was thousand euros at the time and that glass trophy so that was quite nice the big one at the back there um so i'm actually half belgian so there was at one point i think i was in year 10 so i was 15 years old and at that point i was playing for england you see at junior level but to cut a long story short um they only selected the top player for your mm-hmm. age group and there was myself and another player called craig from manchester and he, we were sort of toing and throwing and it, it looked quite clear that he was going to be higher than me mm-hmm. uh, in the international rankings so he would get the place so my dad negotiated that I could go and play in the Belgian Junior Championships because uh, I, I actually had two passports at the time. And um, I, I won that with eight and a half points out of nine. So I beat eight of them and drew one and lost none. Uh, so clear winner. And then it turned out I couldn't play for Belgium anyway. And then I did get a place with England. So yeah. So I came back with this nice big trophy. But that was, uh... <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> they, were, they were quite uh, surprised. They said uh, an English person who, who can't speak Dutch and he came over to win. And then I actually subsequently studied Dutch at UCL. So, um, so now I'm, I'm fluent, but at the time I was not. So this is quite an interesting episode when you're 15 to go abroad and play yeah. in a national championships that you couldn't even speak the language of. <laughs> um, yeah, and then a lot of the other ones, um, the, the sm- I say smaller ones, I mean, they're still pride uh, of place there. They're the ones you just bought. No, <laughs> um, so there are, uh, for those, you know, as we, as we get chess going in the school, we'll, we'll be able to, to say about all the, the national tournaments that we have uh, going on in the UK. Um, there are three big ones. One of them is called the UK Chess Challenge, uh, mm-hmm. UK Schools Chess Challenge. And that's definitely one that will be running at the school. Um, it tends to start from, from January, the second term. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when uh, uh, Stefan start, uh, starts the chess in, well, now, 
and we get the chess going. Then from January, we'll be doing the UK Chess Challenge there. And the idea is it's, it's a sort of regional stage. So you start in your school, then the qualifiers from that school will go to the local, what's called mega final, which mm -hmm. is the county stage. And again, it weeds its way through. Then it goes to the giga final, which is half the country. And then the, uh, the final stage, which is called the, the terror final. Um, and that's where, you know, you've whittled down from 70,000 children down to the last sort of 50. Wow. Um, so I won that rec that tournament four times in a row, which is a record uh, back when I was at school. Mm -hmm. And um, it, so it's, it's basically from under seven, which is year two, up to year 13. Um, so you start, it's a great way to introduce children to, to chess because you start in your school and then the sense of achievement when you qualify from your school to the next stage, the county stage. Um, and uh, in, in Essex, obviously, Snaresbrook, um, the, those qualifiers in the school would qualify to the, the Essex mega final. Um, so it all become clear from January once we do it in school um, mm. as to that. And, you know, all the things I teach the children, I, I, the same events are still taking place. Um, so that's what I did, yeah, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, but um, it, it, they still exist, still going strong. Mm. Um, some of the other ones, the gold ones there, they're called the London Junior Championship. So that's one of the other major events in the UK. Um, and that's in the first term. So that's normally between September and December. Okay. And what you have to do is you have to qualify for the national finals in December. So again, it goes under eight, under 10, under 12, under 14 mm. and so on. Um, so I, uh, as I said, I wasn't very good when I started chess uh, as a nine year old. So I didn't win the under 10s because uh, I still had to play catch up. But then I won everyone from under 12 up to under 21. Right. Um, I so see. As you can see, I was a very slow starter because I started quite late, actually, year four, I think. Mm -hmm. And then also I had no coach, no school chess, nothing. So I did it all by myself. So I find a lot of the, my friends who, um, you know, I still have a lot of chess friends, of course. And uh, one of them in particular, he's a year older than me. And we never played because he won everything when he was 9, 10, 11. Mm -hmm. But he went the opposite way. He felt like he got overtaken slowly by his rivals and it quite demoralized him. Oh, I see, so, yeah. so it can work in two ways. I was, I was playing catch up, but I could see my improvement. Whereas mm. he was going the opposite direction. He won everything when he was eight, nine. Mm. And um, I think he just maybe rested on his laurels a little bit. He got a bit lazy, he admitted. Um, yeah. Yeah. He didn't really work on his chess. And I think that that's probably a good lesson for anything, isn't it? Well, regardless of what you do or whatever people tell you, and I hate to use the word talent because <laughs> I really hate that word. Um, I think it's down to how much you work. And he admitted to me that, you know, if he could if he could go back to when he was 11, he would start working on his on his game. Yeah. So yeah. that's the same with anything, um, you know, music, chess, maths or any any subject, you know, you're weak at school. It's, it's easy to say I won't study that subject because I'm not very good at it. But actually, you should work on your weaknesses. And it, it's difficult to say that, isn't it? Or or if you say my teacher says I'm good at maths, so I, uh, I can just sail through it and it won't matter hmm. but then it will come to a point where you hit that sort of ceiling isn't it where you realize ah now i actually do need to work yeah and it's quite yeah. hard if you haven't worked up to that point yeah but no yeah. one taught me to do it you know people parent people ask me so did your parents push you and they never ever made me sit down and do it and i think mm. that's why i liked it because mm. they didn't do that um whereas if my dad had said sit down and do chess <laughs> i would have thought oh. <laughs> you push back on it but i would push back on it exactly yeah. So clearly, Lauren, you love chess, but what is it about teaching chess in schools that you like so much? What brought you to that? Yeah, so as I've explained my background, I never had a coach. And I like to think that I want to imagine myself as a nine-year-old. What would I have liked if I had chess at school or in a chess club? Um, you know, I mentioned this this local chess club. Um, it's, 
it was in North Hertfordshire called Royston Chess Club. It's only a small town of about 20,000 people. Mm. And, you know, I was very thankful to a lot of parents. And there was one particular man who uh, unfortunately passed away about 20 years ago. But he, um, he vo- they volunteered their time to run these clubs and do things. And you don't realise when you're young how important it is to have people give up their time paid or not um they they, they, mm. they throw themselves into that and they actually give a lot of effort to ensure that the children have the opportunities because mm. without that um i mean as you know you, you work in schools and you know what is, you see this firsthand but for a lot of people they don't see it and i think as a chess coach i like to think when i do my schools i'm going to make sure that i give uh, all the events put a lot of effort into under, to having the parents understand what's on how do they get better what tools do they need and as you said earlier, you know, not everyone can be a champion. I think that's one of the things that took me quite a while, uh, 10, 15 years ago, as, a, as I first got into chess teaching, which was, why can't the children see what I saw? But mm. it doesn't work that way. People yeah. learn in different ways. And I had to learn as a teacher that children, some children pick up things very quickly. Some take more time. But if you look back now, I've got um, a, a whole body of experience. I find that actually the children who who were um, maybe the best in year five or year six at school mm-hmm. weren't necessarily the best in year two. And in fact, it can go in all sorts and interests can be, can, can come and go with children just like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ralph, you mentioned uh, your local school down the road, Bancroft's, um, and there's a boy there who's now in year four, but when he was in year three last year, he, he actually said he wanted to quit chess and he wasn't interested at all. But suddenly, you know, like, snapping your fingers he got really keen and now he's actually the best in the year four so how did that happen it, it just happened um his interest came and went um and now his interest is very much on so you you can't force these things it has to come quite naturally mm. um mm. and i think it's just a numbers game i teach so many children that you know you'll get some who are who show a lot of promise most of them are just in the middle they kind of enjoy the game i think the main thing is just having a smile in your face when you play that's mm. that's some i particularly remember of all my years of coaching uh, there's a club here i teach at called barn at nights in north london in uh, in golders green and there was a boy there he lost almost every game he played but the smile on his face every time he played was was <laughs> tremendous and that was a real turning point actually i thought wow he could he really enjoys playing mm. and that was that was that's great that's that's what i want to see um children enjoying themselves when they play yeah yeah Okay, so a while ago on television, of course, we had the Queen's Gambit, which clearly was intended for an older audience than prep school children. But nevertheless, do you do you find that programmes like that on TV just help towards the whole pastime of chess? Um, it brings it into a more uh, chess into a more focus, doesn't it? Um, mm. And in fact, the Queen's Gambit is obviously the most recent one. There have been a lot of good chess films which I can recommend for the children. Um, So Queen of Catway is a good one. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Queen of what, sorry? Queen of Catway. Queen of Catway, yes. It's about this um, chess player from Kampala in Uganda. And she was from one of the slums. And what that, one of the eight slums called Catway, K-A-T-W-E. And she basically learned chess because she followed her brother to this outreach institute um, where he was playing chess there. And she turned out she had some talent. And then... um, she ended up playing for the Ugandan women's team in the World Chess Olympiad and so on. Um, it's actually a real story because um, Fiona Matezi, who, who this person was, she um, she played for Uganda in the 2010 World Chess Olympiad. So mm. it's like the f- equivalent of the Football World Cup where your top players of every country get selected um, mm. for, for, the, for mm. the, the World Chess Olympiad. And it's every two years. 
So in 2010, she, um, this reporter from America was there and he, he spotted her and thought this was a fantastic story. And in fact, Disney took the rights to this and actually made that film in 2016. So okay. that's a, that was one of my most inspiring films, um, especially for girls, because, um, you know, it showed that um, she, she had she had nothing she was a poor she um almost had to move house uh, her from her slum all the time and she found mm -hmm. chess and that was her way to focus on something mm -hmm. so that was a really really inspiring film the other inspiring film that i can say which um i was inspired by i think i maybe watched this at least 50 times <laughs> okay um was it came out when i was starting chess yeah back in 1994 and it's called searching for bobby fisher so Bobby Fischer, you know, you know who Bobby Fischer is, of course. Um, <clears throat> he was the world chess champion in 1972. And a lot of bit about him. And in America, of course, they've never really had chess like that, a superstar. And it was like when he left, he um, there was this sort of who is the next Bobby Fischer. So there was mm -hmm. this kid called Josh Waitskin, who uh, is a few years older than me. So he, yeah, we're talking at least early 90s here. They thought he was the next Bobby Fischer. And then okay. a book, and then a film was named after him called Searching for Bobby Fischer. So, and I watched that because that was about a boy in New York who learned chess by watching them play in, I think it was Washington Square Park. Um, and um, that that was a great film as well about how he started to go to chess competitions and he had a rival. And um, it's, it's, it's a very family-friendly film as well. So, um, you know, before, before big tournaments as a junior, like you, you saw the trophies behind me, a lot of the times I would watch that film on the Friday before mm. the weekend because um i wanted to be inspired yeah so yeah that was your rocky that was like yeah it was actually my chess rocky <laughs> i don't know if sylvester would have played that part but he's a bad boy but um, yeah <laughs> Night to queen three. <laughs> you know i can imagine it now you should we should get this, this sort of... um but the queen's gambit was is fantastic for girls chess and um and actually, uh, as it turns out, so that came out in November, but uh, in the past year since lockdown, um, if you don't mind me mentioning, I've started a UK girls chess project called She Plays to Win. So um, basically, I teach at a lot of girls schools here in London, um, and I've always been fascinated with girl chess because, you know, chess is a game which has no physicality to it. It's literally um, your skill your um, against another person's skill. And yet, I've gone to the, the uh, meetings of the English Chess Federation, which is the, the national body. Mm. And they say there is 7% membership of women and girls, you know. And, you know, I've been to those to chess tournaments even now when I was a junior, and you'll, you'll go and um, there'll be five girls and 95 boys. And, and I always thought there has to be something that should try to change that because that can't be right. You know, I understand, you know, women's football has come up fantastically, but there's still people who say, well, women can't play as good as men in football because of physicality. But with chess, there is no, there should be no difference at all. Mm. And I think I always had the idea to make something uh, a project. I didn't know how it would come, but of course, when lockdown happened last March, it kind of fell into my lap that I could do everything online. So I do free Zoom lessons on weekends for girls. And then I've got a girls chess uh, group called For She Plays To Win, and girls can play um, in online chess tournaments with me every week. And in fact, there's one this Saturday and it will continue. Um, I think I'm on event number 54 now, so we've done it just over a year so for any girls who um want to start and actually it's for any level so for parents can go to our website sheplaystowin.co.uk there is a join button there and um it's for go even if girls are beginners that's absolutely fine as well because um i have had support from the 
English Chess Federation about doing beginners program as well. So mm-hmm. whilst that's still in its infancy, my idea is to roll out beginners lessons as well for, for girls to start. Because um, I think a lot of the time, um, girls find uh, it quite intimidating to start with boys and um, yeah. they want to start in their own group. So mm-hmm. to have that opportunity is also um, something I'll, I'll be looking at, um, as well as for, for girls who think they can play a bit and they can join in the main sessions as well. And what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions about chess? Um, actually, something that we said off air before we started, where uh, yeah, Mr. Norton just mentioned, oh, people think that chess players are smart. And in fact, um, because uh, I, you know, when people meet me, they'll say, oh, you're an, you're an international chess master. Um, just to explain that the highest level in chess is grandmaster, and then the one below that is uh, international master, which is what I am, and also Stefan Machak is as well, who will be our coach. Um, so we're both uh, international masters. We've beaten grandmasters as well, but you have to do it on a more consistent basis. Um, so we're ne- we both were nearly there, and we're still trying. But uh, mm. as age, uh, should whisper, as age catches up with you, it's a bit harder. Um, <laughs> but um, misconceptions are that yeah, I mean, I like the misconception that people think I'm smart when actually smartness comes in in different ways, doesn't it? You don't. I don't think necessarily that um, academia is what is the be all and end all. I, maybe I don't know if you want me to say that, but um, no, I think it's. Um, Sometimes we can be fi- too fixed on grades. You know, of all the chess players I know, um, you cannot pigeonhole them at all. So I know some chess grandmasters who, one of them told me he literally didn't even want to do his GCSEs. Oh, right. But I've seen him win thousands of pounds on quiz shows. Hmm. So he's clearly very smart. He just didn't like school. Hmm. On the other side of the coin, I've played chess where, I remember when I was 11, there was a boy who was my rival and he was already grade eight for piano. He, I know now that um, even though I haven't spoken to him for a few years, He's a doctor and he went to Oxford and, you know, he, he's a medical professional. So you can see that um, chess players cannot be pigeonholed in one way. Um, and so if it was that way, all I would do is go to every school in the country and say, give me your five best mathematicians and I'll do chess with them. Mm. But it doesn't work that way. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of chess. Mm. Um, you cannot say that, oh, my child's probably not very smart, so therefore they're probably not going to be very good at chess. Actually, you can't say that. And that's what I love about it. Chess can be for everybody. And often I find, um, and I'm going to include myself here, that um, sometimes you can use the chess as almost like an escape from if you're not very good academically, you can actually use that as a way to show how smart you are. Okay. Um, so, you know, chess, you can find your way in chess. And I think it is for everybody, literally, regardless of whether you think you're being put in a box of, of being smart or not smart or medium. Um, mm-hmm. it, it makes no difference. You can, you can be anybody, boy, girl big small old young you can mm. play chess um, and enjoy it so and you can improve as well yeah i think anybody can improve in chess and, and get better it, it doesn't matter mm. who you are but i will accept the misconception that people think i'm smart though i'll accept uh, <laughs> we can keep that one going if you like <laughs> we can keep that going uh lauren just wanted to thank you for coming on to this episode it's been great talking to you great hearing all about chess and about what you're doing with children and chess sounds awesome thank you very much yeah and i hope all the girls can uh, join and um, also join the chess club because um we hope isn't it that um, chess club will be starting uh with mr machak after half term and it's a slow process um you know just just to finish up there by saying about bancroft there um because they're down the road from you um i started there i think about three years ago and um uh, i'm one of three chess teachers there so uh, i do one class and um, I have two other chess teachers doing other classes and it has grown immensely that even online we've been having three classes uh, I think actually four classes across three coaches mm-hmm. but it didn't start that way it, it the culture has to come up 
And actually, what you want is almost that the children are in the playground saying, yeah, we can play football or netball or whatever, but actually, let's go play chess too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think it can you can create a culture in a school by doing that. So, you know, one of my other schools I've been at um, for 11 years now is North London Collegiate School in Edgware. Um, so it's a girls' school. When I went there, nobody played chess. Now they are national champions for girls. They've been in the top eight uh, schools in the country in five of the last six years for the boys as well. Um, we don't even call ourselves top girls' school anymore. I said, you've got to play with the boys. Mm. We don't compete with the girls like only. It's it's you're, you're equals. That's I've always said that to them, mm. um, which is you know, one of the reasons for my ghost project. And, um, you know, you, you create it. Each year you improve. And what you find is someone gets good and they inspire someone else and then mm. they inspire the younger ones and so on and so on. So hopefully we can do that here at Snaresbrook Prep as well. Um, we can get it going. We can get the club um, flourishing and then we can get these children playing from January as I said, in the UK Schools Chess Challenge, which we will definitely be doing. When we do that tournament, you see what, what Mr. Matchup will be doing is running a tournament and... Um, there will be prizes for everybody who, who attends the club. And as I said, a few lucky children will qualify to the next stage of the UK Chess Challenge. And once we do that and they start playing in chess competitions, both online and outside of school, then we can we can we will see things really improve at the school. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we have to start somewhere. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. No, no, exactly. Well, thank I mean, Lauren, I'm really excited and, uh, you know, to have you and your team on board. I'm just... Um, yeah, at the time of recording, it's the half term before the the club will start in September. So um, I can't I can't wait to see where this goes. So, but you know, thank you for coming on board. No, exactly. Yeah, and just just to repeat there, so Mr. Matchup will be doing the coaching, but I will be running all of that. So as I said, I will be uh, liaising with the school, making sure all these events are running, publicising everything, so parents are aware. So you you've got basically both of us, um, and uh, we work together at other schools. I've known Stefan from. Well, at least, I mean, we're the same age, so we played in World and European Youth Championships as a junior. Uh, so really, we've known each other for over 20 years, but uh, officially since 2008. We were both travelling Europe, playing in chess competitions, trying to become uh, international master, which we did, and then attempting to do grandmaster as well, um, which we got close to. So, yeah, it's, it's a tough process, and, you know, you, you accept the winning and the losing, and it's all about trying to improve and enjoying yourself. Even at our level, you have to try and enjoy I'm sure even the top footballers, you know, they don't like losing, but they, they still play football because they love football. So it's the same mm. kind of thing. Well, look, Lauren, thanks very much for your time and thanks for coming on to this episode of the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So that was Lauren, and Lauren knows a lot about chess. Ralph, how about you? Do you play chess? <laughs> no, uh, I don't play chess. I have some uh, horrendous memories of playing chess, which basically end... <laughs> with my dad shouting at me don't turn on the waterworks um, so no not hugely positive so kind of that highlights the need for a good chess coach <laughs> for children instead of uh, instead of your father maybe oh my poor father he was a great you know uh, <laughs> I don't know great in many you... ways but maybe not being a chess coach <laughs> well maybe maybe I just needed to develop a backbone I don't know got to learn to win and lose haven't you and I didn't mm. like losing um so yeah no I mean I think look you know somebody asked me I think why you know why are we pairing up with a you know, a sort of organisation to deliver chess clubs. You know, why not just ask a teacher to get some balls out and mm. and to run chess club? Yeah. And 
the, the, the reason I think I hope from that interview you'll see you you can hear the benefit of having somebody who knows about chess mm. what I didn't realize about chess till I um, read about it or and also listened to some podcasts with some other grandmasters was just actually how much is learnt mm -hmm. so actually what I think I think what my impression is that actually you learn a lot of the moves you know for each move there are a number of counter moves mm. and so what grandmasters tend to do is they tend to study either their opponents so that mm -hmm. when you make move a um, and move b is made they will make move move c d or e mm. and then you plan out if they make move e you're going to respond this way mm. so there's a lot of pre-preparation that goes into it but actually those moves have all been played by somebody mm. at some point in time and so you can learn the best responses mm. to a certain move mm. um, and so I think for me if you're going to if you're going to move chess from just being having a natural aptitude for it mm -hmm. you know which we call talent to actually you can you can make you can turn hard work into success mm -hmm. and again for me I'm always looking to to give pupils experiences that teach life lessons mm. and that sense of I mean uh, Pip O'Hare no it wasn't Pip O'Hare it was um, oh it was a sailor I forgot her name but she says um, attitude beats aptitude mm. you know in any situation mm. yeah and it's yeah. that sense that actually I can and, and I think you even heard it in Lauren's own story he wasn't very good to start with mm. Um, but he went away. He was fortunate enough to to be given a couple of books, and he yeah. put the effort in to learn what you could do. Yeah. Uh, and then he started to receive success. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's uh, that's why I think the value. Well, certainly that's one value, and I think the second value is getting connected into mm -hmm. all those other tournaments. Because mm -hmm. again, we're in quite a small setting, which is great. But one of the challenges is is giving pupils experiences against a much wider group of people. Mm. Um, mm. So that's why I think it's important to partner with somebody who knows what they're doing. And then I think the third thing in terms of, you know, Florin and, and, and what he's doing is, again, we're just trying to increase, increase diversity. And I think that sense that you get from him that he loves chess and he just wants to bring that to as many people yeah. um, and get them to love it, um, you know, so... yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. So I hope that came across. Well, he definitely loves chess. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very inferior looking at those those trophies. That was a lot of trophies. <laughs> that really was. Okay, I think we need to bring this episode to a close. But for anyone listening to this episode, maybe wants to find out more about the school or find out more about chess, for that matter, then just go and search online for Snesbit Prep, whether that's on Twitter or Facebook. And to stay up to date with the next episode, then be sure to follow this podcast channel. And then it just means that when the next episode comes out, you get a small notification to let you know that it's available. But that's for next time. In the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye for now. Ralph, do you want to say goodbye? Oh, bye for now. <laughs> bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>